from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Breaking news in the disappearance of Malaysia Air Flight 370. A glimmer of hope as the Malaysian Prime Minister announced at a press conference this afternoon that he has asked the crack investigators of the well-known internet podcast Thinking Sideways to assist in the search. Hi there. This is Thinking Sideways, and I am Joe. Assisted by... Devin. And... And Steve. Yeah. I feel like I was yelling. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, usually we, ta- we sort of tackle really ancient mysteries that, uh, you know, have been around for decades, if not centuries, or even millennia. And, of course, we always solve them. But this week we thought we'd do something a little more topical. And you know what I'm talking about? Malaysia Air Flight 370. That's right. We're going to tackle this one. We're going to find those people, and we're going to bring them back alive. Right? Maybe. Yeah, right. Okay, so let's launch right into this. I mean, I, and I, I know that everybody who's listening, or 99% of you, have been hearing nothing but Flight 370 for the past week, so I'm not going to go over all the little details. Uh, but I'll summarize just real quickly. The flight took off from Kuala Lumpur, headed north over the Malaysian Peninsula towards Beijing. Uh, it was supposed to be about a five-hour flight, and 
Initial reports from the Malaysian government were that the ACARS, which is the Aircraft Communications Addressing and Reporting System... What they've been calling the transponder, right? Yeah, well, yeah. They, they, some of them mixed up the transponders, like because there's, there's ACARS, but there's also a transponder, too. Oh, okay, so this is something else. Never mind. Yeah, it's a communication system, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah well, Already it? I'm wrong, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the transponder is there. It's just basically like kind of an echo thing. If you get, if you get, It makes you more visible to radar. Uh-huh. And so yeah, so sending out pings basically. Basically, yeah, what it does if you get if you get painted by radar, then it sends a reply, mm. and so it makes you a lot more visible to that radar. Okay, got yeah. it. Cool. So okay, so anyway, uh, ACARS apparently ACARS did stop communicating at some point, right about when they were crossing the coast, the coastline into the ocean, uh, and then somewhat after that, the transponder was shut off, and that and that it was in a key spot because it was in the boundary between Malaysian air traffic control and Vietnamese air traffic control. So kind of in that no man's land out oh, there. Oh, so like after they'd stopped communicating with Malaysia but before they had to start communicating with Vietnam, uh-huh. they shut it off? Uh, yeah, or it was shut off? Stopped. Yeah, that's when, well, ACAR, yeah, ACAR stopped earlier and then the transponder was shut off like right between Malaysia and Vietnam's okay. air traffic control. But it turns out ACARS was not entirely... Uh, shut off. Uh, they, they, they said that it was completely shut off, but apparently it was still working because you've been hearing those stories about about how the engines were pinging for hours afterwards. They were yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently that that all that stuff goes through the ACAR system. There's a, there's an antenna and all that, so all that all that kind of stuff goes through ACAR. So apparently it was shut off in terms of communications. They stopped receiving any text messages or other communication. From the people on the plane, uh, but they so, were still and and and, they, and also the, the engine stuff. But the system itself is programmed to every half hour ping the satellite. Yeah, I, so the way I've heard it described is like a cell phone kind of, right? The cell phone was turned off, but cell phones still send out little like, "Hey, I'm here." Yeah. Hey, I'm here. Yeah. Huh? Hey, exactly. Yeah. I'm that's still what, here. Yeah. In the context of the ACAR system, it's called a handshake. Right. So they turned off the like active part of this communication system, but mm-hmm. that but like, little built-in part was it still... still, was still it, so it wasn't totally disabled. It's kind of a passive system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like somebody like tore it off yeah. the plane. Right. Right. Yeah. It Apparently, was still attached and functioning and receiving energy, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and so, uh, but yeah, according, I read a Reuters interview with six pilots who have experience with the 777, mm-hmm. and they said that completely disabling, it would require opening a hatch in mm-hmm. the floor of the plane and climbing down into a little room Mm-hmm. Uh, and pulling a fuse. And so, so not just like flipping a switch. No, got it. Fl- flipping a switch probably shuts off the communication bar, but right. actually, but but so yeah, so it was still putting out little beeps, mm. and which allowed them to to narrow the search down to a very tiny field of like you know millions of square miles. <laughs> so <laughs> as he, as, and of course, it's yeah, in a tiny area. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, like, let me real quick like so the plane headed southwest back across the Malaysian Peninsula, and at the time of this of this uh, course change halfway between Malaysia and Vietnam, the plane did go to take a, a big excursion to 45,000 feet, which is beyond the operating envelope of the airplane. I was going to say, what are they normally operated about 25 uh, or 30? Normally, uh, now cruising altitude for these is about 35,000 okay. square feet, or feet. And, uh, and I think the max recommended altitude for these is about 42, 43,000 feet. Okay. Yeah, so but it's still outside of tolerance. Yeah. So they, of, so it had been like, uh, like roller, roller coasting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So well, I don't know if it was roller coasting. It did coasting. at least once. It, it did at least once. It went up huh. way high and then, and then dropped pretty low, twenty three thousand feet, which is below where they're supposed to be. They're supposed okay. to be about thirty five feet. And now, can you just remind me quickly yeah. what about what time 
did the flight take off? Like, what time are we talking here? Did they leave in the middle of the night? Was yeah, it was a red eye. It was a red eye flight. So it was dark out. Yeah, it was dark. Out. Okay. When they left, it was dark, and uh, when the uh, when everything got shut off, it was still dark. So uh, after after bouncing up and down and everything, it, it turned southwest, went across the Malay Peninsula, wound up in the Malacca Straits. Where <gasps> then I know that place again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then it turned northwest, and uh, it was tracked for a while by, by a military radar. And eventually left radar range, and so after that, the only subsequent tracking was done via the beeps it was getting from the ACAR system. And so, as you all know, you've all seen the maps, I'm sure. So there's a, a big line that goes all the way from northern Thailand all the way to Kazakhstan, and there's another one that goes southwest all the way to, like, Diego Garcia or somewhere around well, there. And, and I was going to say is I found a really great uh, image or a map showing the radius of how far it could have gone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know that, that we'll put that on the website because it really was. You hear, well, okay, well, it can go for hours, but how far can it really go? Was it and, the one that was captioned, researchers say that Malaysian air flight is probably somewhere on Earth? No, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> I that, feel like that that's the most accurate description of <laughs> where people think it might was be. That, is yeah. that like the onion? Yeah, or something. It's yeah, probably it is, on it's, Earth. But oh. it is amazing how far the stinking planes can go. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it technically, it could have gone all the way to Kazakhstan in one direction. Mm -hmm. It could have almost made it to Australia in the other direction. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's... That's a huge area to have to search. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, this... and a lot of it is water. Yeah. Yes, that's the problem. And water has, there's currents and winds and everything mm -hmm. blowing your wreckage all over the place. So the yep. longer it goes, the harder it's going to be to find this plane. If it did crash in the ocean. Well, uh, and, it, and it had, what, 239 people on it, including the crew? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's... 227 passengers. So it was not a, it was not fully loaded, but it's still a But it wasn't number. empty either. No, yeah, it wasn't jam-packed, but it was far from empty. And this is a, a, a Boeing 777-200ER, mm -hmm. which is the extended range. Oh, God. Yeah. It's, okay, I, I was, mm -hmm. that explains it. I, yeah. I kept seeing it, but I didn't know what the, the name meant, those extra bit of characters. Mm -hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't those like some of the most reliable planes out there right oh, yeah. now? Oh, yeah. Like they've, they've never a... suffered a catastrophic failure before or ever or something <sighs> like that. I think yeah. I read they've never crashed Ever? Yeah, well, there was that little thing in San Francisco. That was a... Remember that a year a year yeah. so ago? Yeah. That big crash in San Francisco? And that was pilot error. That though. was pilot error, yeah. You can't blame right. the plane for that. And but so, like other, like as far as the like actual plane itself goes, they were saying, mm -hmm. this is literally the most reliable plane uh -huh. out there right now. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, me, that it's... People were saying, well, maybe it's, you know, electrical. Maybe it was like a plane error. Maybe the plane crashed. It fell out of the sky. People were kind of saying, it seems unlikely given that it's never happened before, but yeah. again, right, there's always first time for everything. Uh, absolutely, there is, you know, and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of theories out there. I'll jump ahead a little, head myself a little bit, and one of the theories is that there was a catastrophic decompression of the plane because yeah. they were hit by a meteor. <laughs> <laughs> A meteor? Yeah. I Are you know. serious? We're jumping right into crazy right. theory. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right into crazy, crazy town, ones. Right yeah. off the bat. Crazy well, town. Yeah, so so anyway, but but the last ping was that was received from the ACAR system was at 8, 11 a.m. Oh. So that is... So like uh, eight hours. That's like seven hours. Uh, seven, seven and a half hours after they went wow. off course. So yeah, they were flying for a long time. Which makes me wonder if maybe they had more gas than they think, because they they were they had enough gas for a five hour flight to, to Beijing. That's about twenty seven hundred nautical miles, I think. 
I read that yeah. it had enough gas for eight hours of flight because I oh. think that they are supposed to carry extra yeah. just in yeah. case. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right. you don't want a full tank because that's a lot of weight to carry around. So, but you also but don't want it. <laughs> you want enough to get you there, and then you want to, you want to put a little bit extra for in like for, he, for or, headwind and yeah. that kind of thing. They put a little extra in for diversion mm-hmm. and a little maybe a little safety cushion after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, because well, who wants to be landing on an empty tank? Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was, there was an instance here in Portland some years back where a plane ran out of gas over P. DX. Yeah. I don't know if you remember hearing about that. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah it was like um, um, they were uh, they were in a holding pattern over the airport, and I, I can't. I, the reason was is that his his some light had come on his cockpit that that indicated his his landing gear wasn't down and locked the way it should be. So he was flying around, and they were trying to figure it out. And meantime, he ran out of gas and crashed it in a Portland neighborhood. Luckily, managed to hit a vacant lot, and not too many people got killed. How long ago was this? It was, this was years ago. Like, okay. like seven or eight, I would say. At, oh, at least. Probably more yeah. than that. Okay. Yeah, all right. I was ago. like, whoa, this does not ring a bell. Yeah. That's... It's, an old, it's an old one. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. a long time ago. Got yeah. it. Uh, but it's, but speaking of but anyway speaking of fuel you know there's there's a lot of theories out there of course that this is some sort of conspiracy to hijack the plane and take the plane mm-hmm. and so as far as the fuel that was on the plane uh, you know you don't really know how much got put into it because if somebody in the ground crew was in on the whole thing then he could have actually put quite a bit more fuel in there and so how do you know how much is like capacity like if it had been Full, like full up, mm-hmm. how much fly time would it have had? Um, in terms of, I, I, I'm not sure about it, time because that depends on your speed. Sure. But the max range of the ER is 7,700 nautical miles, which is like 14,000 some kilometers, something like that. It's, which is like, yeah, I mean, what, like just like that'll, at I mean, average speed. That'll get you a long ways. That'd probably from from where they were at. That I, I imagine that would get you to Europe. It would certainly get you to, if you wanted to go to Kazakhstan or, or Pakistan. It mm-hmm. would get you there easy. Okay. Um, yeah, it doesn't look to. It, it seems to me that based on the fuel that they had, if that's accurate, they didn't quite have enough to get them to Kazakhstan or wherever. There's some people are claiming they might be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you look at those arrows and, and the fact that they were getting pinged from that position at eight eleven in the morning, well, they they were almost there. So maybe. They did. Yeah. Maybe um, they made it. Maybe they made it. I don't know. What, so now now that we've got all the, the sort of basics down. Housekeeping. Time, time to, yeah, time to launch into the crazy theories. And they're not all crazy. No, no. Some no. of them are some, really rational. Some of them are pretty, yeah. pretty good. And yeah. some of them are a little out there. But, you know, but, you know I, I've, cro- I've actually not included some of the most looniest ones. But... I've got them, I'll tell them. Uh, me too. I got <laughs> some right. too. All right, cool. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, so I divided the theories into into two categories. One is how, the other is why. So okay. Okay, perfect. We want to know how did this happen and why did it happen. Okay. Okay, so under how, um, so how did this thing disappear without a trace? And, so you, again, we've all seen the maps that indicate these arcs going northwest and also going southwest over the ocean. Mm-hmm. But since it was already headed northwest, I I would surmise that it probably continued to go northwest. And so, it, but if it continued to go northwest, it was it was going over all kinds of countries, a lot of airspace, a lot of countries' airspace, like yeah. including China and, mm-hmm. and places like that that are kind of touchy about their airspace. <laughs> uh, so how did it evade all these military? radars of all these countries that it flew over. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So theory number one, it didn't evade them. It crossed Chinese airspace and they shot them down. 
Well, uh, and yeah. Yeah, and now they're keeping quiet about it because it's kind of an embarrassing faux pas. I was talking you know. to somebody before this about this, you know, theory, and they said, yeah, but wouldn't somebody report that, like, from China? And I thought, I feel like no. China's the perfect place to f- shoot somebody down, though, right? There's a lot of open space. Mm-hmm. I just listened to something about how China's actually trying to relocate most of their farmers into urban areas. Yeah, they are. So there's, yeah. like, a lot of kind of rural areas that are just abandoned. With mm-hmm. no people. With yeah. no people. Yeah. And, I, and China's like most countries around the world, too. Most of the population is actually close to the coast. Mm-hmm. And this would be as far away from the Chinese coast as you can imagine. There's yeah. desert out there. Yeah. So it would be so, kind of a good place to shut yeah. them down. So anyway, so they... And then China, of course, is what? Covering this up because they were like, yeah. oh, oh, oops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oops. And so they... Uh, and, 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 you know, so first thing that happens, the pilot comes back. So they, they shoot him because he might talk. So... And then they send a, a brigade of soldiers up there to clean up the mess and sanitize the site. And then, of course, they shoot them and put them in a mass grave. And then, of course, the, the other brigade of soldiers that had to dig the mass grave to bury them, they, are all, they all have to be shot, too. But eventually, <laughs> you know, eventually you get far enough down the Seriously. line. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. So that's a possibility. I, I'm not, I don't totally give that a lot of credence myself. It does seem like somebody would have come forward and said something by now. Yeah, it's it's a, that's that a pretty, pretty big stretch. Yeah. yeah, it is. And also, I don't know if you guys have noticed, the Chinese are kind of like the Russians in that they don't really care about world opinion. Not yeah. very often. Not yeah. a hell of a lot. It would have been very yeah. easy for them to say, they weren't responding to us, and we thought it was a danger, so we shot them down. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, we had unknown aircraft, and we thought it could have been a nuclear bomber I mean, or God knows what. You know, so, definitely yeah. not like... A good defense, but mm. a reasonable defense. Well, I, I, I got to so. tell you one thing: if an if a if an unidentified Boeing seven seventy seven shows up outside, like say Tel Aviv or Manhattan, any time mm-hmm. in the next week or two, it's going to get shot down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It better get yeah. shot down. Gone. <laughs> yeah. All right. So another theory is that uh, it evaded radar because it flew in the shadow of another airliner. Oh, this, this is, is a, really interesting. I really yeah, like this, yeah. Uh, it's it's a very credible theory. So a, a blogger who's into aviation, his name is Keith Ledgerwood, he matched up uh, MH370's course to another flight, another 777, by the way, which is Singapore Air Flight 68, which is en route from Singapore to Barcelona. And it takes a route that kind of goes, across, crosses where our flight 370 was, and continues on westward, kind of westward, kind of northwestward across India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, etc. Hmm. And so, and it was about at the same time. So he compared their flight paths and the timing and everything like that, and they were very close to each other. And our flight 370 could have swung in behind and just sort of shattered it across all these countries, which mm-hmm. would have required them to, to shadow them pretty closely. We would have, they would have had to be within about 1,000 meters. What about below? What, how do you, mean, do you mean right underneath? Yeah, like not direct, like, but like within 100 meters, like, but below. Yeah, 1,000 meters. But, or 1,000, yeah. Well, no, yeah, you wouldn't want to be t- right smack behind them. You want to either be above or Yeah, they're not going to draft them. No, right. yeah, yeah, you want to But be, like if it was like kind of below it. That gives you a little bit of Could it have a, been, what, does it give it more wiggle room? Is it like a. Yeah, yeah, it gives you a little more. I mean, obviously the guy at Singapore, Flight 68, is not going to slam on his brakes. He wouldn't have any reason to, but. Right. You know, you hit a little turbulence, something like that. I mean, things can cause you to slow down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and speed up and things like that. So obviously you want to give yourself as much wiggle room as you can, but still stay sure. close. But And and what I, I was wondering about that is, and I, I don't know this, so I'm going to ask, and I'm going to guess you have the answer, is do planes, when they're in the air, 
to you know, track other planes that are around, do they run any kind of active radar of their own, or they just follow their plan and presume nobody's going to be in the way? Mm-hmm. They leave it yeah. up to air traffic control. Yeah, they, they yeah they don't run active so active radar now. Okay, I, I, mean, I was just thinking it was like, well, you know, why wouldn't he see that other plane if uh-huh. it accidentally got a little ahead of him? Right, because wasn't they... always falling behind, but mm. it was a little in front. But if it's at night, it's at and night. Whoever's flying it, all their lights are off. Lights and are have off. No idea. Yeah, lights are off. Transponders are off. All and that they're stuff. trusting. Right, air traffic control will be like. Dude, there's a plane real close to I you. I know, I know. But Get out of the way. Yeah. Uh, right. Did you ever see that movie Pushing Tin? No. no, I never saw that. Uh, it's, uh, oh, Billy Bob Thornton and, oh, god. So you know Matthew right off Broderick, the bat it's it a is? great Is it uh-huh. Broderick that's in that? Uh, I can't remember. But yeah, but I... it's, they're, they're air traffic controllers and all the crazy stuff that goes on. That's, that's mm. what I can just, I just, I imagine that would be really difficult to be in that same situation while you're in your own plane. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, in terms of, uh, in terms of the, the civilian flight control, it probably would have worked just fine, especially since their transponder was off, because apparently the resolution on, on civilian radars is not as precise as military's. Mm-hmm. Military radars, they have a higher resolution, which is why you'd have to stay really, really close to keep them from figuring out as two separate objects. Sure. Although it's possible, too, they might see two separate objects and just conclude it was, a, it was a, a an echo, just yeah. a, an echo or a glitch or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, of course, it could have peeled off anywhere, like, say, Pakistan, mm-hmm. you know, gone out in Pakistan has lots and lots of big airstrips. I had yeah. heard a theory that it, that, or somebody claiming on the internet, and of course it was the internet, right, that mm-hmm. Boeing was saying no... He landed in Pakistan, but I have problems with that theory for other reasons. So, wait, they're they're claiming that Boeing is saying specifically they know where it's landed, but that like their technology tracking, uh-huh. right? Because there's, I guess, a, their low jack, for... yeah, whatever, <laughs> exactly, yeah, uh, was said that that it had landed in like. Taliban-controlled Pakistan. Mm. But I just feel like the Taliban are not the kind of group who are like, yeah, let's play this one close to the chest. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Let's just, like, keep it on the DL. Like, let's no. not tell anybody that we it, have this plane it until we have what, this plane. It like, depends on what they're going to do with it, though. But you know, I just feel if, like if there's... You're gonna... If you're going to fly over to Tel Aviv with a bunch of dirty bombs or nukes or something like that, then you obviously don't want to advertise that you have it. But, so. I mean, obviously you are, I mean, like, already this plane is, like, high profile, so it's not yeah. like you're going to, Well, you, gotta, you, you want to definitely hide that thing and be discreet in how you bring it out. Yeah. But it was so funny. Paint it. I was reading it. <laughs> I was reading because they actually interviewed some Talibanis, some Taliban guys, and and one of the one of their spokesmen spokesmen denied that that they had it, and they said they knew nothing about it. And they interviewed some other jihadi type guy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he was Taliban or not. And he was saying, and he was saying, no, we don't have it. Well, wow, that'd be so cool. I really wish we could get a hold of something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I wish we thought of that. I know. I yeah. mean, Man, we I missed know, out. I know. Yeah. I would really love that. Yeah. Sorry, that was a little little sidetracked. But... Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I find that theory to be kind of credible. That might have allowed them to evade radar. Yeah. So next theory, how did they evade radar? Well, maybe they didn't go northwest. Maybe they actually did go southwest and head off sort of towards Diego Garcia, that direction, South Indian Ocean. And that eventually either found, had a remote island somewhere out there that had a long enough airstrip for them to land on. Or according to one nut job, uh, he says that they crashed, or he says that they probably crashed into the airbase at Diego Garcia, destroying lots and lots of valuable aircraft in the process. And according to this guy, his, this guy's conspiracy theory, the government's covering it, covering it up because that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're embarrassed, well, apparently, and, or something. And there, there has been talk that it went to, uh, is it Andaman Islands? It, they're in the Bay of Bengal. 
And they're, they've got a, a, there's one airport there that's big enough, evidently, that yeah. you could land a 777. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if it was heading southwest-ish, that's, yeah, if I understand where it was at in relation, it could have gone there. Yeah. Though, except I, that nobody saw it. Yeah, exactly. They're popular. I mean, yeah, they're populated, and somebody would have noticed something huge like that coming into their airplane, their yeah. airport. Well, and I, yeah. I don't think that it's a, a airport that is what we consider an airport, as in not a good tarmac, but it's kind of dirt. Mm-hmm. So you would imagine the landing gear in a plane that heavy coming in that fast would sink and snap and crash, and maybe. then we'd all see it. Yeah, maybe. It, the, it, but they, didn't the pilot of this flight have like 18 or like 20 years of flight experience? He had like 18,000 hours. Yeah, he yeah. was like a really experienced pilot. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, uh, Zahiri Shah, I think is... Zahiri is Shah, yeah. yeah. And, he, and and he was a, he was a guy, and, and um, he uh, is apparently... Or was, hopefully is, but uh, really into flying. And as you guys have all heard, I'm sure that he had this flight simulator set up in his house. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I saw a picture of it. It was, it was really a pretty cool setup. Yeah. <laughs> it was like six big screen, big screen monitors, you yeah. know, and, and, a, and a yoke and all that stuff. It was. I, I think that's you know one of the interesting things is people keep talking about. This is like if, when you look at pilots who are like going to be successfully be able to avert a mid like a mid flight crisis. This is the kind of pilot you look for, right? No, like he's yeah. supposedly like a really great pilot. He's obsessed with flying. He loves to fly. Yeah, he's all yeah. he does in his spare yeah. time. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so yeah, he may have been capable of landing in. I'm sure he actually was probably capable of landing in less than ideal circumstances. Probably but that might have also made him overconfident. Maybe. Oh, I've done this. I've done this before in simulators. I've done this a thousand times. I can totally make this work. No problem. No, don't uh-huh. worry about that. Oops. I got that. No, yeah. you don't do that. Yeah. I got this. You, do, you know, the, the guy who says, "I know it." I'll, I'll take control of it. I'll hang on to the stick. Everybody else get out of the cockpit. Yeah, although... Cowboy mentality. And to be fair, right, we did just kind of mention this, though. People would have seen this. Like, somebody yep. would have said, oh, yeah, uh, we saw that thing. Yeah, I yeah. know. I know. There could be... Uh, you know, I, I, I read one little bit. Uh, somebody said that there was an old World War II B-29 landing strip in the Andaman Islands somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I went out looking to try to find any any corroboration of that, and I couldn't find anything. So, hmm. so I have no idea. There, uh, and and of course, it depends if if somebody's actually using it, then it's going to be kind of hard to not be noticed. If somebody's nobody's been using it since World War II, it's going to be in such sad shape that you know it might not be possible to land on. Yeah. So I, you know, again, but the the Pacific. I found a site where this guy it wasn't. It was not a well-designed site at all. <laughs> but this guy had uh, pictures and drawings of, of quite a few old landing strips out in the Pacific, and they're all over the place. I mean, they really are. From from especially dating from World War II time, mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of little atolls and islands that just got turned into basically airports and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Some of those places, it's just a big runway and a little bit of extra land, and that's it. Yeah, and they're out in the middle of nowhere. So it's entirely possible they found one of these things. I mean, if it was a really well-oiled, well-organized conspiracy, which, of course, we're not sure, we're not sure that it is, it could have been totally just kind of an accident kind of thing. But, but, but they could have actually found one of these things and gotten a small freighter or something like that and trucked out all the fuel that they need to refuel it and get it back on its way and get it somewhere to hide it. To hide it. Mm-hmm. And so it's entirely possible. These things are all over the place. I I was looking on the the internet and uh, WNYC, which is out of New York, they were doing a bunch of research on it. And I found some of their stuff, and they were saying that from the last one of the last known locations in that big circle of where this plane could have landed, mm-hmm. there's 
over 600 airports or runways that are big enough to land that 777. Mm -hmm. So it is possible that it was on an island or it's some random remote airport somewhere that it somehow didn't get picked up by the radar. So it could possibly have been, you know, brought down in any number of places. And this is, of course, saying that it came down whole and was landed successfully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but there's also, uh, but there was one that I came across, and, and this is getting into the, you know, how did nobody see it kind of thing, mm -hmm. is, and this is a really far-fetched theory, and I'm going to say that on the outset, but somebody was saying that it was using cloaking technology, uh -huh. oh, and yeah. that's why you couldn't see it on the radar. Of course. Uh, and there's a, a company called Freescale Semiconductor, yeah. and evidently they had 20 people, 20 employees on that plane, and it sounds like they're involved with some government contracts, mm -hmm. so potentially they could be in this, we're trying to make invisibility cloak research stuff, and so maybe they did a live test of it. And that's why they had so many of their employees on there. <laughs> I like it. I, I, and this is, this reminds me of, you remember, uh, Elisa Lamb, mm -hmm. somebody said, oh, well, there's an invisibility cloak. This is kind of along that same vein. Yeah. But it, it's one of those theories that's out there. I don't put a lot of stock in it, no, but I think it that, is out there. I think a more, a more feasible technology, if you wanted a cloaking technology, um, something that would hide you from radar rather than you know, the visible light spectrum would be a lot more useful. Mm -hmm. And so you can, I can, you can imagine them doing something like that. Like one of the, thought, one of the things they've talked about with, with radar and also with sonar, instead of trying to have like, you know, sort of a stealth configuration of your hull or whatever, your plane shape, instead when you receive a signal and you know some of that's going to echo back, to to those people, what you do is you so when you when you're hit with a signal, your computer just automatically sends back a canceling tone. So you know how canceling tones work, kinda. Yeah, so it's like like in sound, in sound, if if your if your sound is being emitted, then you and you emit sound at the same time that is exactly the opposite in the terms of the wavelength. Then they the cancel each the other. Same out. wavelength, but they're just out of sync with each other, like fifty mm percent. -hmm. They cancel each other out, and you get silence. And there's been discussion about that kind of technology for things like radar and sonar. Ah. So, yeah, so yeah, it's a conceivable thing, but again, that's kind of hard to cover up. I, <clears throat> I, okay, so I was reading today, and I think this is a thing that came out, like, literally today, that there were some residents on a, like, really remote island in the Maldives. Is that how you say that, those islands? I think so, yeah. Maldives. That saw a jet matching the Malaysian airplane description, flying as low maybe as 80 feet, but probably more like 5,000 feet. Some people said they could see, like, clearly see the doors uh -huh. on this airplane. It was flying so low. Pretty low. They said That's that, really low. They, yeah, it's super low. They said that they saw a large airliner or a jumbo jet um, that was described as being white with red stripes on it, which is what the Malaysian air flight or the Malaysian air airplanes look like flying overhead um, sometime kind of last week. Huh. And they're kind of, they're in that radius. So I guess that's another theory, right? Is that they could have maybe just flown so low that they were below radar, right? Cause that's mm -hmm. a thing you can do if you're, especially if you're a, a good pilot. So I, I mean, it, you know, it's a thing, right? Mm -hmm. That you can fly low to avoid the radar and it it ups your fuel consumption. Is that true? Yeah, it does. But, but I don't think the Maldives are like that 
far out of range. Uh, no, it's just a question of where do you go from there, especially since you know, you're you're using up fuel at a much higher rate because uh, you're flying so low. Right. So I don't know if the, I mean I think that's kind of an area where there are a lot of islands, right? A lot of mm. small islands. There are. So I I wonder if there's a small island that's fairly uninhabited or that's controlled by a certain group or something that they could have landed on and refueled or just be on. Well, and, and, and this is the weird thing is that, okay, so let's just say that, that somebody for whoever it is hijacked this plane. Uh-huh. I don't, I'm not saying who was involved, but they hijacked the plane and they, they landed on one of these little islands. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with it? Well, yeah. What's the deal? Why are, what are you doing with this plane? I don't understand. That's what I can't understand. Well, when I come across all of these, they were hijack theories. Is mm-hmm. what are you going to do with that giant freaking plane? Well, exactly. I'm not, not, I guess it's not even what are you going to do with that plane, right? But like, what are you doing with the 239 people that are definitely worth money to a lot of countries? Well, that's 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 it. And that, let me go through some of these things. That... This whole thing is is weird, and it makes me think of two different things. And one only is, two. Well, no, and this this is going down a different road. Okay. But did either of you ever watch the terrible miniseries or read the book The Langoliers by Stephen King? No, no. neither one. No. Okay, so it, it was this story of basically this plane that slipped out of time oh. and then landed uh, at an airport and the Langoliers time every second is rebuilt and these things come along and they destroy it to recycle it to use later is kind of what the theory is. The the story sounded much more interesting than the miniseries was because it was really badly done because it was made for TV. Mm, of course. But it makes me think of that because it was just this plane that just bloop, disappeared. There, okay. Or it makes me think of Lost. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Where this plane just disappears and nobody really cares that this plane disappeared. So oh, no. I think I sent this out. As some of you may know, there's this little website called Reddit. Mm-hmm. And there's this little. Heard about it. There's this little subreddit called No Sleep, which is not meant to be like true stories necessarily, but some of them are touted as true stories. Mm-hmm. And there was like a thread recently, not recently. I think I told you about it when it was happening. It was like, yeah, actually, I guess it was like when we first started I think doing I this show this. of this guy who posted this story called My Last Flight. And it was just this really long story about how he was on this flight and suddenly like they had this engine glitch or something and then it like they slipped out of time, basically. They were just like in blackness. Mm-hmm. And then like a day later, he posted a picture and it was like super like all the text that went with it was like really really garbled and it was like a picture of him sitting next to the window not him but like his laptop and it he had written his like reddit username out and said like please help on this flight or something like that taking a picture of that next to the window and the window was like totally black and if it was a photoshop it was like a really really great photoshop maybe he took it when it was nighttime no it wasn't like nighttime. Like I just, I, it was solid black. You know what? Like when you like take a picture out. I've mm-hmm. taken pictures out of an airplane window when it's night, uh-huh. and it's it didn't look the same as that. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Maybe it was. Anyways, so it's it's totally similar, right? Where like people were kind of talking about this like this phenomenon of like slipping out of time, kind of referencing like an Amelia Earhart sort of thing. Yeah. People just like slipping. Mm-hmm. out of time or like ships 
mm-hmm. slipping out of time, things like that. So I, I mean, you know, I know it's a crackpot theory, but I kind of like it. Well, it's it's it's, it's an interesting thing to yeah, think of. Absolutely, and it, it's also a nice way to think of it because these people who have disappeared, well, they're they're not dead. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. just. Somewhere they're just, else. They're just, they just haven't come back yet. They're just yeah. trapped in another dimension being being like tortured by time goblins. I mean, that, <laughs> time yeah. goblins? Time goblins. Time goblins, I've yeah. never heard of time goblins. Now no. you have. Yeah, now you have. All right, well, let's uh, get into the whys here. Well, let's talk about the whys. All right, no particular order. Uh, so why did this happen? One possibility mentioned was that suicidal pilot syndrome. One of the pilots wanted to commit suicide and do it in a spectacular way. The problem with that is, you know, if you want to crash your plane and, and die, and take a couple hundred people with you, why do you dink around for seven and some seven and a half hours? Yeah. And, uh, although, second thoughts. Yeah, second thoughts. Seven hours probably, worth of second thoughts. That's yeah. The dumbest thing I ever heard in my entire yeah, life. Yeah. Although there is one possibility when you think about it. I mean, so when they first started going a little bit erratic and they took that excursion to 45,000 feet. So I can imagine, say, let's say one of the pilots clonks the other one on the head. Uh, because obviously the other one's not going to be, you know, too copacetic about yeah. the whole thing, you know. And, and so he clocks him on the head and then just, like, takes the plane, starts shooting the plane as high as he can go, and then just decompresses the entire plane. Mm-hmm. You know? And I've, hypoxia, I've heard that. Hypoxia sets in, and, and, and everybody's dead in moments, including, you know, the suicidal pilot. And it takes, what, because mm-hmm. the air mask will drop. But they only have enough air for like ten or fifteen minutes or something like that, is what I read. Yeah. yeah so I mean, long. you wouldn't have to stay up there for a super long time before everybody just eventually passes out and dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Including you, the pilot, and then I this... also heard the theory of catastrophic decompression uh-huh. in the like sucking everybody out of the plane. Catastrophic decompression. Oh. Well, there is that. It depends on the the size of the hole in yeah. the hole because there have been there have been incidents like that in the past where like there was one where a big a big section of a plane uh, was like going to Hawaii, I think, and a big chunk of it just blew away, it just tore off, and once just went pop. Yeah, one <laughs> stewardess got, she was not belted in, so she got sucked out the hole and, and mm-hmm. bye-bye. And, uh, but apparently apparently she was the only casualty because everybody else was wearing their seatbelts. And actually, after I saw that story in the news, I started getting more religious about wearing my seatbelt on, yeah. on airplanes. Totally. <laughs> you know? and, and yeah, totally. The thing is, Hollywood has screwed up everybody's perspective of what happens with a cat, you know, when a... a cabin depressurizes everybody's oh god everything and all the seats come on unbolted and they yeah, all no, no they're, they're pretty built, good they're built that pretty doesn't happen. they're pretty stout yeah, yeah that, that, <laughs> that is a total trope by hollywood yeah, yeah. I mean, if you see that on a movie and suddenly every every seat just rattle 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 whoom, yeah mm-hmm. not real no no not at sorry all. to break your heart but yeah. it's not real or a super shoddy airplane yeah yeah <laughs> maybe back in the day but yeah. not anymore no but, not uh, anymore. but yeah definitely if you know but if you're not built it in, well, yeah, you could very wind up, very well wind up going out through that hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but of course, there's way to decompress, ways to decompress the cabin without creating a big tornado of wind, too, yeah. sucking mm-hmm. everybody out. But yeah, there, but there are other scenarios too. Like there, there is a, the whole failure scenario, which also an incident that happened a while back that I was telling you guys about peeled away, uh, which is not really consistent with the safety record of the 777. But it could happen. Mm-hmm. Nor like all the other stuff that happened on it, right? Yeah. Well, it's not consistent. Yeah. So that could cause a massive decompression and, and, and incapacitate the crew and, and all the passengers. But that wouldn't really explain why they took an excursion to 45,000 feet. Mm-hmm. No. That doesn't explain that at all. No, because uh, that kind of defeats, that's counterintuitive. 
if you have a cabin decompression issue, you go down. Yeah. You go lower. Although, okay, so if stuff wasn't working, right? Like if they got maybe hit by a meteor or whatever, right? I don't know what happens to all the equipment inside of you if your cabin decompresses, right? So, and if Are you you're thinking next, like the bends? No, I think I'm thinking more like what's that other one we were talking about where. It was in the middle of the night, and if your equipment wasn't working particularly well, you wouldn't totally know which way was up or down. Oh, I see, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that was uh, Valentich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I... maybe, I mean, he was, a, he was a very skilled pilot, this guy, right? Right, and yeah. he had a much more technological... But I don't, I don't he think... was, like, on low oxygen or, like, panicking in the moment... Yeah, decompression wouldn't cause the instruments on the plane to malfunction, but it definitely could could interfere with your judgment, mm-hmm. you know, or perception, so it's possible. Yeah, you so mean, he thought he was going down, and when in fact he was, he was going up. Yeah, I mean, it's, Which it's, is it's making the possible. situation even worse. Yeah. Why yeah. isn't this getting better? Why isn't this getting better? Right. Mm-hmm. And then he uh-huh. takes a big dive because yeah. <laughs> he figures oh, it out. Crap, yeah. yeah. Yeah, although, again, I don't I don't buy that because they have oxygen masks in the uh, in the cockpit. And I imagine they have a much longer time uh, than the I've cabin heard, I have heard... I've heard varying varying uh, lengths. I've heard thirty minutes on those, so it's about tw- about double what the cabin time is. But okay. that's more than enough time to get you down, get yourself down to under ten thousand, yeah. ten thousand feet to yeah. regain your judgment right. and realize. Oh, right. Wait. right. And so the thing about it is, is like you know, it's just like what they tell you when you're on the plane. They say if, if this if, if this mask pops out, and say you get your kid is right next to you and you want to put the mask on the kid, you put your mask on first before you put the mask on the kid. You put that mask on yourself first because if you don't then you might wind up just succumbing to hypoxia. And so yeah. same thing with so same thing with the pilots. I mean that when that mask pops out, the very first thing they're gonna do is grab that thing and put it on their face. Mm-hmm. And so they're probably not gonna have any sort of mental issues or anything like that. Theoretically, yeah. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. Yeah. Okay, so suicidal we're gonna we're gonna rule out the suicidal pilot syndrome. Um, I, and I think we can really rule out uh, sudden accidental decompression. Another theory that's been floated is that it was taken for ransom. So the plane and the passengers are worth a hell of a lot. Those those planes retail for two hundred sixty-two million bucks. Wow, a couple of bucks, yeah. a little bit of change. Yeah. That'll do, I guess. Throw a couple yeah. quarters together. Yeah, yeah, I know. So the insurers, I'm sure, would be happy to pay like you know fifty million, a hundred million to get it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Plus all the the people, you all the ransom people. all ransom all of those people off as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like human beings are worth a good amount of money to people who they care usually about them. are. Yeah, they yeah. usually are. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, somebody speculated that there may be secret negotiations already underway. I kind of Wait, what? So yeah, there might be maybe maybe a government or governments are negotiating with these people. That's who... the stupidest thing I ever heard in my entire. <laughs> well, yeah, That's I the know. Third time I've heard that tonight. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, it seems a little unlikely because the problem with that is is that there's really no reason to keep it a secret. And if you do keep it a secret, when eventually you publicize the fact that you kept all these families in the dark for all this time, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be hell to pay. Yeah. So I, I I find that a little hard to believe. Agreed. Uh, and and uh, and so since it's not likely to have been kept secret, then obviously ransom seems to be kind of out of the picture. I've got I've got one. Oh, you got one? Yeah, I've got another one that I came across, which. The background on it is that evidently Boeing has been in the process of trying to upgrade the network system in their planes, the internal networks that tied all the computers. Mm -hmm. Those planes have a USB drive at every seat Mm -hmm. or a port, I should say, not a drive, but a port. And Boeing has realized that 
the networks are all tied together as in every computer in the plane, including the flight computer is all networked together. So it's possible that somebody could have not hijacked it, but they're calling it a hack jack. Mm -hmm. They hack the system. And then if I've got my little tablet in my hand and I plug it in and I hit the button and it executes a program and suddenly I'm in control of the plane and just uh, playing the controls on my, you know, doing stuff on my little tablet, nobody's the wiser. The, the crew is freaking out, but nobody knows. And so I could plug in a new course and all my new settings and just let the thing go on autopilot and shut down all the communications so it goes dark and it's not pinging anything because mm -hmm. I'm just in control. I'm just sitting here flying the plane. Now, I don't know why somebody would do that and I don't know how the heck they would have got it back on the ground. Yeah. But that's the, it's real hard to land a, a plane on autopilot, I feel. I, yeah, right? probably. I, actually, a oh, lot I've, of. I've, I've crashed many a plane in a flight simulator, yeah, right. simulator trying to do autopilot. Yeah. I know it's not good. Now, supposedly, most of the modern planes can land themselves. They don't really? actually. Yeah, they can land themselves. <sighs> so, but. But, but the whole thing about it is, is um, you've taken command of the plane. And by the way, just just to editorialize for a sec, if Boeing really actually did network the flight computer and all that stuff in with all the other stuff in the plane, what an idiotic thing to do. I suspect <laughs> they didn't intentionally do it, but that their firewalls were not as robust as they thought they were so mm. it they've been in the process easy. of upgrading everything to try and separate it evidently according I, to the reports that i've read uh, it just yeah. seems like it would be like i mean a skilled hacker if mm. you're if you share hardware with a thing that's connected by the same wires right mm. even if it doesn't technically share the same network uh -huh. if you've still got wires that are connected mm -hmm. to the same hardware you can hack into it yeah but, but it's i mean that takes a, like a very malicious thoughtful act yeah and uh, uh to but me, yeah I definitely idiots yeah yeah no <laughs> well if that's true i don't know it's, it's hard it's hard to believe that they could possibly have done something like that. Yeah. yeah. But you never know. I mean, uh, But again, of... this goes back to why would you do that? What are you now doing now that you've mm -hmm. done it? Yeah. So the problem I have with, with that is, number one, you're taking a big chance that you're not going to screw things up and get yourself killed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the other thing is that you, you take over the plane and you're flying it off to wherever you feel like taking it off to, what's the first thing the pilots are going to do? They're gonna, <laughs> well, they're going to try to get control back, first of all. Second of all, they're going to get on the radio. And start talking to ground control. And Not saying, if they've if you've disabled communications, right? Mm -hmm. Theoretically, if you can hack into the computer, mm -hmm. you can shut down all the communications. Yeah. Really? So they they wouldn't be able to call because you've turned the power off. Mm -hmm. For lack of a better term, yeah. You've, yeah. you've shut down the radio. You've shut down everything. You're turning off all the corresponding systems. Mm -hmm. They can call all they want, but they're talking into a dead mic. Yeah. This uh, so this hacker would have to be somebody who really knew a hell of a lot about the. It would have to be somebody that somehow got a hold of Boeing's information to know how their maybe their an OS works. Maybe and, uh, yeah, I, I was thinking it had to be somebody that actually actually wrote code for Boeing. I, I would think you would think, or had had gotten access to it to then interpret it, figure out how to how to mm. get in it, rewrite, and all. I mean, there's there's a whole host of things that would be required for this to be a viable situation or viable way for it to have happened. Yeah. It's possible. 
Well, the um, it's scarily possible. Yeah, the uh, well, the Malaysians are now they're they're looking into every single passenger that was on the plane. So mm-hmm. if there are any ex Boeing employees that were on the plane, surely I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you know they were they were focusing on the two guys that were on the plane that had uh, fake passports mm-hmm. or stolen passports. Yeah. And they've obviously ruled them out. Evidently, they say now those guys were seeking asylum somewhere else. Yeah, that was. They, a... They've been looking into randomly people. So it sounds like systematically they're doing it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, they are. They're, okay. they're, they're pretty much checking out everybody that was on the plane. And I'm sure some people, have, you know, were, are getting more scrutiny than other people. But yeah, definitely, everybody's being looked at. So, what about a fire? There's a fire. That's a possibility. Like, like an electrical fire of some kind. That is. That is one of the things that we didn't. I, we read a theory. Yeah, about that? yeah. I came across. So here's here's how this breaks down, and it was a, a pilot, I think, that came, that posted this, or mm-hmm. it was in this news article. Basically, how I understand it happening is what he was theorizing is that if at takeoff there is a fire, a fire starts with the landing gear mm-hmm. because it was a, it was hot, so the tires won't have had as much pressure in them to, uh-huh. because to compensate for that, sure, or because of that. And so then that would cause a small fire to start in the gear, which then would work through the hydraulic lines Mm. that then could get into the electrical system. Ah. So then it causes an electrical system fire, Mm -hmm. which according to this guy, then the pilots would, this might explain why everything shut off is the pilots are, Oh God, something's on fire. They're trying to put out the fire and they're also going through and yanking all the electrical buses out uh-huh. to, to stop electricity flowing to, so that the, it doesn't spread. Mm-hmm. And either it damages something enough that when they put it back in, it doesn't work, or they just can't get it in for whatever reason. They can't get the whole thing to come back up. Uh, and that actually, Joe, which the plane changed course, and which way did it head when it had its sudden weird diversion in course? It started going west, then it's southwest. So, okay. um, or northwest, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they were saying that the, the change in elevation may have been because of the problems with the computer because of the fire. Mm-hmm. And then this guy was saying that, okay, well, I can totally explain why this pilot did this, is there, he's saying that the pilot was going to the... Langkawi Island. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the reason that they say that they would have gone to this airport is pilots are trained that when your systems are hosed, you don't want to go near anything that has obstacles and you don't want to go near anything that has people. Mm-hmm. So they're going to take an overseas route with no mountains in the way, and they're going to do their best to get to that airport to then land right. in a catastrophic situation. And according to him, it sounds like then he's saying basically they were trying to get there, and they mm-hmm. probably didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They went down in the sea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Langkawi is like, it's kind of on their route. I mean, they were headed in that direction, but it's on the opposite side of the Malay Peninsula. Right, but there's no were. giant, there's no big mountains. Yeah. It's, it's very yeah. low terrain, so they don't have to, because they probably don't have, you know, all their systems are hosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very easy just to go this direction. No, I'm not going to run into anything, literally run yeah. into anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then what happened? Why did they not land there? He thinks that because of the, the electrical fire, it it just sabotaged the system so bad that ev- eventually they gave out and the plane crashed. It into seems the ocean. like, yeah, that's it's, it just seems like there's a lot more land in between where they were and where they were going than there is ocean. Mm-hmm. 
right? Because where did I mean, look, I mean we're looking flying, at a map right now, so yeah, they flew flying back this to, way. Yeah, KL is crossing a lot mm-hmm. more land than getting this and one. And then yeah. yeah, yeah, and they made they flipped a U-turn in like kind of on the ocean, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I I think it's a really interesting, compelling theory. Uh, yeah, it's, for sure. it's 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 valid based on this guy's experience, mm-hmm. and he's, mm-hmm. he's he puts forth a good case. Yeah, yeah. totally. So I I mean, uh, it's hard to say. So okay, so electrical fire—that's a uh, definite possibility. Uh, another theory that's put been put forth is that the plane was taken because there was a person or an object on the plane that the pirates really wanted badly. Oh, that it was air piracy. Yeah, yeah. so pirates. But, you know, that's, <sighs> that's the, the, the whole thing about that is there's got to be easier ways to get your hands on that person or that object. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be easier Didn't ways we learn anything that. from Oceans 11 through 13? Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was Oceans 11 <laughs> through 18 or something. It was, yeah. it was just the three of them. Yeah. They only made three? Yeah. It, it just seemed like they kept coming and coming. I know. I know, I know. It, was, it was extensive. Yeah. Back to back to square one here. Okay, so another theory is that it was hijacked for an immediate 9-11 style attack. And, uh, of course, taking it back to Kuala Lumpur would be great for that because Kuala Lumpur has got lots and lots of really tall buildings. Mm-hmm. And it'd be, it'd be a great target for your Al-Qaeda types because, as you, as you guys all know, I'm sure, Malaysian... Islam is a lot more moderate than your hardcore um, Islamist kind of stuff is. Well, and it's right and, near Singapore, kind of too, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of big buildings lots there, of big and they're like there too. fairly liberal and Western there. So. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, lots of good tall buildings to crash mm-hmm. into. The British intelligence had had interrogated a guy, an Al Qaeda type, who informed on them, and he he was aware. He he was a Malaysian. He was aware of some Malaysian. Al-Qaeda members who wanted to pull off a 9-11 style attack. According to this guy, he went to, uh, the, the informer, went to a training camp in Afghanistan, and they gave him a couple of real high-tech exploding shoes, you know, shoe bombs. Mm. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And so... Um, really? Yeah. And so he got in contact with these... When, when he was, he was, they instructed him at some point... He got him back to... He got him back home. They instructed, apparently, he got instructions from Al-Qaeda Central or whatever that this group of Malaysians was serious and, and that he should turn over one of his shoe bombs to them so that they could use it to blow open the cockpit door. Because as you know, cockpit doors are a lot stronger than they used to be. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. a big deadbolt. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah and they're, they're heavily reinforced now. They're, they're a lot beefier than they used to be. So the idea was they were, they were going to, this group was going to use the shoe bomb to blow open the door and take over the airplane and go do another 9-11. So it's conceivable something like that happened. That would explain, for example... The excursion to 45,000 feet, because if you're the pilots of the plane and you've got these guys, these guys coming into your cockpit, what do you do? You like hammer the throttles forward as hard as you can and point that nose up and send them tumbling back down the cabin. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Bring that, that nose does, up. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. 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 I, um, I, the, the, the problem I have with these terrorist theories is that I feel like the big terrorist groups. Again, I think I said this a little bit earlier, aren't necessarily known for their, like, play it close to the chest behavior. Mm-hmm. When they do stuff like this, they're like, yeah, that was us. What? Totally flamboyant about it. Uh, yeah. Ooh, look 
what we, we did. did this. It was yeah. awesome. Although, yeah, although, of course, it, it was kind of a failure on their part. So I don't know. Did. They may have killed a bunch of people. Yeah, they killed all, right. all the people on the air, mean, airliner. Yeah. So cool. They did. A, that was an act of terrorism. We mm-hmm. didn't kill as many infidels as we wanted, but we killed them. But we, we killed, killed a bunch. bunch. Yeah. So, yeah. and the only, the only thing, the only terrorist group that I've heard so far that's come out and said, yeah, we did this, was this group that's like kind of near the China Russia yeah, border. They're, they're Chinese. Yeah, the Uyghurs. The, yeah, the Uyghurs. The Uyghurs and yeah. everybody pretty much has been like, okay, Uyghurs, that's cute. You think mm. you could do this? Yeah, Uyghurs, yeah, but really. I don't know. Like, maybe they could have. Maybe they actually did do this. Like, I don't know how seriously people are taking this. I, I just think that. It is the American propensity, and I guess probably the world propensity at this point, to say, yeah, the Taliban probably did it. Mm, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, somebody. They're a great yeah. scapegoat, and they're, they tend to be pretty pissed off at a lot of people. Uh, all the time. Yeah, especially us, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't call them a scapegoat. I'd say that But I guess but, it doesn't uh, necessarily make sense that they would do this to, like, a Malaysian airline, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. if they were going to do it, it, it seems like it would be a less Muslim, more Western country. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, I mean, Al Qaeda. Are you talking about Al Qaeda or the Uyghurs? Oh, Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda, yeah. But they've they've never hesitated to kill other Muslims. I mean, they, and and besides which, the, the the plane was almost entirely filled with Chinese people. Yeah, that's fair. You know? and so I mean, so yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe, but I, it just seems like <laughs> Al Qaeda and the Taliban like to take credit for their stuff. Yeah, yeah. I you think know? that if one of those groups did it, we know because they are. They, again, yeah. as we said yeah. they are going to claim responsibility. For yeah, it. yeah. Unless, unless, of course, the next thing. But I'll, let me get to that in a sec. What's but the back next to thing? The, but back to the Uyghurs. I just want. To, I do want to say that the part of the west, part of Western China that they inhabit, is kind of like really on the flight path of that plane. Mm-hmm. So that that does lend a little bit of credibility to it. Hmm. Yeah, which but, is interesting again, right? Because everybody's been saying, okay, cute. All right, you guys, like, just go keep saying you're doing it. I don't know. And again, you know, I don't know how much actual investigation, credence, anything has happened with that. But, um, you know, I'm sure. They apparently did, like, day one say, yeah, we did that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I'm thinking that, um, yeah, and and maybe they did. I don't know how easy it is to hide a plane that size. I I would imagine a lot of satellite photos are being scrutinized pretty hard right now. uh, China's pretty good at stuff. Yeah. And junk. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> That's junk. highly technical. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're uh, good at stuff and junk. They are. Yeah. That's their that's actually their national motto. <laughs> yeah. We're good at stuff. We make and it junk. smaller. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So anyway, on to the next theory. Uh this was put forth by well, not just him, but by the the Malaysian Prime Minister said uh that it possibly could have been taken for a quote unquote later use. Didn't he say that before they, like, admitted a lot of stuff, though? Mm. Um, what day did he say I that? I feel like it was, was pretty like... early. He was like, it might have been taken for later use. And then he was like, oh, and actually, we tracked it for way longer than we said we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, no, the, no, the it was after... been getting a lot of bad press. Yeah, they're, they have They're been. kind of doing a they're... really bad job of yeah, this recovery effort. their communications have not been good. Yeah. No, I mean, it was... Uh, he, he came... He said... This came out at a press conference that was after they had tracked it. And it's and they tracked all of its like you know gyrations turning around coming back across the Malay Peninsula mm-hmm. and, they, and then being tracked by radar up north and then and then uh, they would establish by the pinging of the satellite from the ACAR system that mm-hmm. it, it was either you know headed off towards Kazakhstan or, or mm-hmm. towards Diego Garcia. Interesting. 
so that was about that was about when he said that mm. that it might have been taken for later use. Okay. And you know, and so the question is, is what is that later use? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, what is it? Well, delivering a nuke, delivering a bunch of dirty bombs. I've taken the liberty of compiling this list of targets here. Uh oh. Yeah, I know. Why is Joe always trying to get us on every watch list possible? I know. <laughs> He's always like, oh, and I've got this awesome list. Look at this thing I compiled. Mm-hmm. It's totally top secret. I mean, no, it's not. I mean, it's top secret. No, I, it's not. Yeah, Look at all these places that I would totally take all this yeah. stuff if I, <sighs> if I could. Yeah, I know. So anyway, uh, so it's a possibility that they, it maybe is wanted for use as a delivery device, you know, say a nuke or some dirt, dirty bombs mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm just going to go on the record right now. I, I don't buy this. I agree with Steve. Why don't you buy it? Because we've already talked about how hard it's going to be for somebody to have landed this plane somewhere undetected. Mm. I'm going to go a step further. Not only that, but then to get it back off the ground and to its potential destination undetected. Yeah, I mean, Uh I guess potentially you could pretend to be another flight who's in distress and... There could be some weird confusion, and it would allow you to get close enough. But I just—I don't feel like at right now at this point, if a flight went up and they were like, "Hey, that's an unidentified seven 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 and and the transponder, right? Like the thing that sends pings, uh-huh. unless they strip that thing off, or they well, reprogram no. it. The, 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 oh, you're talking about the A cars. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, the A cars. The A cars could potentially be completely shut down now. Right, but it would have to be, right? It would have to be completely shut so down. So then at that yeah. point, like you've got a 777 that has literally no A cars and is totally unidentified being no picked up on radar, uh-huh. right? And you go, oh no, we're in distress. People are going to be like, uh, no. Uh-huh. Clearly you're the Malaysia flight. They're going to send their little, they're oh, yeah. going to scramble some jets no. out to you and probably and shoot you, you down. down. I, I frankly am in favor of shooting down all 777s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the uh, the, the but, but the thing about it is, is like supposing you use that same radar shadowing technique that we talked about previously. Okay, uh, all right. So we're say, run under that. Say you're yeah. Say so. Okay. So let's say you want to like you know hit a major city or whatever you mm-hmm. know. So you so you do the whole you sneak in. Obviously you're gonna want to do it at night. It's gonna mm-hmm. have to be a nighttime thing. Mm-hmm. You sneak in right behind another another jetliner. Mm-hmm. And so question is is you know where do you sneak into? So here's some possibilities. Um, you recognize this. Mm-hmm. This is New York. Yeah. Yeah, that's one possibility. Uh, next one, Los Angeles. That seems like a far away place to go. No, nah, not necessarily. Um, I mean, you remember this, this is the extended range. I oh, mean, that's true. I, you know, they could... Uh, and if they went northwest, it would be really easy, right? Yeah. They've got like... And, and don't forget, the uh, the payload on this thing is huge. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you... If your plane is carrying just, you know, pilot, co-pilot, some, some, a few jihadi boys to, to handle the nuke and stuff like that, and that's it, plus the nuke, you know, that's pretty lightly loaded. It can go, it'll, it'll go further. Hmm. So you can go a good long ways. So the Hollywood scenario under this, under this one, um, I've got the thing being used as basically an improvised bomber. So here's a seating chart, a layout of the 777 here. Hmm. These are the emergency exits here. And you notice that four of them are behind the wings, so you don't need to worry about killing your engines by having a dirty bomb slam mm. into your jet engine at high speed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there we go. So got, you would have to decompress or depressurize the cabin to, in order to do this, which means everybody would have to wear a breathing apparatus. Mm-hmm. But supposing you wanted to like inflict maximum damage on the infidel foe as you possibly could, 
So here's here's a picture of it. And you can see you can see an, an outside view of this uh, this after escape door. It's, it's it's nice. It's got a nice low threshold, which, mm -hmm. which means that after you pop that thing open and start chunking out dirty bombs, you're, you're, there's no chance they're going to hit your tail. He's really seriously trying to get us on the watch list. <laughs> yeah, you're so screwed. Yeah. Oh man, I okay. just want to like. Okay. I just want to so. like disclaimer. This is Joe only. Joe only theory. Yeah. <laughs> Devin. I'm, I'm no, not. I'm not saying that I want. Not a Devin theory. I'm not saying I want this to happen. I'm saying it's something that we should be thinking about. All right. So uh, what's your okay. next? Your next target. Okay, after Hollywood, uh, this is why this is why I'm picturing picturing Southern California. It's a target-rich environment. Uh, Los Angeles Harbor is the largest port on the West Coast. Mm. I mean, it, 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 it towers above all the other ports. The other ports are Long Beach, right next to it, which is the second largest port on the West Coast. Then after that, Seattle, Tacoma, Portland, mm. uh -huh. and so. But but. Los Angeles and Long Beach together dwarf all three of the other All the ones. others, okay. Yeah, so it would be a major blow to our economy to dirty bomb these guys or nuke them. Next up, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Disney World or Disneyland? Disneyland, you no. know what? It's the happiest place on earth. No, not after it's been dirty bomb. Dirty bomb. No. Mickey is green now from the radiation. I know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, next next up, this little guy right here. This is where this is where you administer the coup de gras. I mean, you're going all the way down the Southern California coast, talk, chunking out dirty bombs all along the way. So you're mm. you're looking at this as one extended flight where they are just dropping bomb after bomb. It's truly a bomber. Yeah, it's not a crash and throw off one and explode one. And I'm just You're saying, just dumping this them is this go. is a possibility. Is that you know a plane this size can carry a pretty pretty big payload? Payload they could actually come in and you know I mean and and more likely if they do something like this, it's just going to be a single nuke and that's it. Uh -huh. But I'm, just, I'm saying that if they wanted to do something really 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 heinous, I mean they could. You're giving some bad people some good ideas. Yeah, yeah I don't like I don't, it. The nice thing is to actually statistics prove that bad people don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> only, only good people. Yeah, our market research has been completed. Absolutely. Thank goodness yeah. for that. I'm glad we paid for that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so here it is. This is the naval base at San Diego, uh, home port of the Pacific Fleet. Uh, you would take out a lot of incredibly valuable naval assets if you touched off a nuke over this thing. Hmm. Or you could dirty bomb this and then proceed south not too far to Tijuana and then nuke Tijuana. Just to, <laughs> just yeah. to ruin life for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> But just to, just to prove, yeah, I know, seriously, wasn't that ruin everything? I mean, yeah. Tijuana like, not so only awesome. did we, like, take out all our West Coast ports, but also Tijuana. No Disneyland and no Tijuana. I know. Life is over. I know. All, the, all the fun is gone out of life. Uh, uh, and just, just uh, I, I don't want to seem too ethnocentric here. I mean, there's uh, other possibilities. Dubai, yeah. for one. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, um, yeah, I mean, number one, you got this big honking tower, uh, the the Khalid Dubai, I think it's called, mm -hmm. and I've I've read reports that Al Qaeda. Assuming again, back to the Al Qaeda thing, not necessarily Al Qaeda, but if it is Al Qaeda and they've got this thing, they might want to actually do something to the Emirates because I've I've been understanding that they've been kind of turning their attention to the United. Yeah, Arab that they're Emirates. not so happy with what they're doing there. Yeah, well, there's a lot of. I mean, just look at this. Is, is that not decadent? Yeah. yeah, that is that is yeah 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 a giant shining tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is what that is. It actually literally looks a bit like the tower. Uh -huh, of Babel. It does. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, so that these are there's just some some 
various possibilities if it was there's so many more on there yeah oh yeah i mean there's just tons of tons of good places to bomb if you're like you know a suicide bomber kind of guy and you just happen to have a nuke that the pakistanis gave you Mm. you're creeping me out or anyone gave you yeah maybe russia i mean at this point who knows yeah well so anyway um but there are other other possibilities out there too. I read an article by a pilot named Bill Palmer, and he was talking about how the the behavior of the plane, all the course changes and and everything else, altitude changes, were actually consistent with the plane flying without an operator, so the crew was incapacitated, mm-hmm. but flying without an operator and not on autopilot. But even even without autopilot, the seven seventy seven will fly itself. But without an autopilot or an operator or a flight plan to tell it where to go, it's just going to sort of Fly around aimlessly. The course changes can happen because of turbulence. One wing will get lifted up a little higher, and that'll cause it to turn, things like that. And so it's, according to this guy, it's consistent with basically a rudderless plane. It'll just keep going until it runs out of fuel and crashes. Hmm. I don't like that as good as my my later use theory. I think later use is a lot sexier. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think that's the term that I would use for that. But Sexier? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't yeah. either. No, I wouldn't call it sexy at all. I, well, yeah. Oh, okay, so I, I think I asked you this earlier, Joe, and, and this is this is me from layman's uh, term or layman's perspective of it, and I don't understand exactly how these giant planes work. Mm-hmm. I don't. The mechanics is beyond me, and I admit this fully. But what I was wondering about is that I've I've seen all these things where people are thinking the plane has been ditched in the ocean somehow, Mm. whether for whatever reason it went Mm. down in the ocean. If I'm looking at it from the perspective of somebody intentionally ditched it and they ditched it in the ocean to then do whatever to salvage it or whatever it is. I know that, and again, this is the Hollywood trope. Whenever the plane comes down on the water, it smack, smack, crash, tumble, tumble, boom. Mm-hmm. Like things don't go well. Yeah. But knowing how big and stable this plane is, I was thinking about it the other day and I was wondering, like, wouldn't it be possible if you know that you're going to have to go down to come down to a low altitude and really slow the speed down. Mm-hmm. Do you, you guys have made paper airplanes before, right? Yeah. yeah. And have you ever you ever thrown an airplane and it does the loopy loop and then it comes out of that and it comes through the bottom of its arc and it goes up just a little bit, noses up, and then it just sets down on the ground. It just kind of. Mm-hmm. I'm not that settles. talented yeah. at making well, paper but, airplanes. Well, you know, it's, it's it's a talent. I can't help it. Yeah. But the point is, is it possible with a plane like that to have to slow it down enough and to get it to kind of nose up and, and then stall. lose its inertia and stall out and just yeah. drop? You know, let's say fifty feet or twenty feet or whatever it is. Uh-huh. Just whoosh, boom! Just drop it flat into the water rather like, than trying to skid it across the water. I feel like that would break the wings off. Well, I don't know. That That's why I'm asking, because mm. I wonder about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, uh, the thing about that is, is like your paper airplane is is moving at a fairly slow speed. Oh, yeah. And then it goes up and it stalls and it comes down. Uh-huh. But the problem is, is that uh, for a Boeing 777, stall speed is, is I, don't, I'm not, I don't know exactly what stall speed is. But it's going to be, it's not going to come to a stop before it stalls. It's going to stall out at like 100 miles an hour. Because that's, yeah, that's the point of where air is not flowing over the wings enough 
to keep it lifted, it mm-hmm. stalls and then it drops. And, and so, then it hurts. Yeah, and then it hurts real bad. <laughs> and so it's still, but let's, let's say, for example, I mean, let's say, for example, that stall speed is only 50 miles an hour, which I'm sure it's got to be more than that. Okay, well, let's just hypothetically. Yeah, yeah, say it's 50 miles an hour. So you're okay, gonna, so it is so still you're gonna, you're clipping gonna, right along. Yeah, so it's still clipping right along. You go up, you come down, and then because you're in the open ocean, and almost certainly, unless it's totally becalmed, there's going to be waves out there. And you've got two big engines hanging down below there, below your wings. And unless you big sea anchors, in yeah, that unless you hit two waves at precisely the same time, which you're not going to do. You know what's what's going to happen is one engine is going to catch first, and then you're going to just cartwheel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or spin well, around I, or whatever. It was it was just something yeah, I thought yeah, about more, but, but that you no, know, that I makes mean, total sense. There was a case of that that flight in New York a couple of years ago where that, that pilot was able to ditch it in like Long Island Sound yeah. and ditch that plane. But yeah, but that was a really small plane. Uh, I, I forget what kind of airliner it was. It was um, it was a private jet, basically. It wasn't no, anything huge. No, I thought that no, that was a, that was like an but airliner. But it, was, it, was, it wasn't a huge thing. It was a, a relatively small, like yeah. you know, the kind where it's like two puddle seats jumper. On, yeah, yeah, two seats on each side of the aisle, kind of. It wasn't a huge. It plane. wasn't a seven seven seven. Yeah, and also it was landing in in uh, very calm waters mm-hmm. where there weren't big waves to catch your engines on and stuff like that. So it was pretty favorable circumstances. But on the open ocean, it seems unlikely you're going to be able to ditch it without catastrophic results. All right. And so here's my big thing with the whole, it crashed in the ocean, it it burned up in a fiery ball, is that there have been reports, and I I don't know how valid they are, but there have been a lot of reports of people who have family and friends that are on this airliner trying to call their cell phones, Mm -hmm. and their phone's ringing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I have the answer to that. What's your answer to that? Okay. The problem with that is, have you ever called internationally? Yeah. Okay. And have you ever noticed that you make an international call and sometimes it rings forever before they pick up or the answering machine picks up? Yeah. The way I understand that operating is that the service provider is trying to reach the phone Mm -hmm. and it starts giving you the ringing noise. Mm. Doesn't mean it's actually connected. Mm. It's just, it's giving you the noise because it's saying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And then maybe you hear a click and then it actually will be the real ringer, but it's trying and it's throwing that ring noise it's basically as an auditory a, response to it, you. It's an illusion, basically, you know, yeah. convincing you, you know, that uh, something is happening, you know, mm-hmm. and something is happening. They're trying to find the phone, but, yeah, well, but it, and it basically I, I have, it's an illusion. I have family overseas and I have, I have called them before and let's say that it normally takes four rings for their answering mm-hmm. machine to pick up and like, eh, it's five rings six rings, and then the answering machine will pick up. It's because the servers haven't quite connected yet, but they're still throwing the noise to me Mm. to let me know it's, it's, it's working. So, you, so that's the problem okay. with that. That's fair. But I, I mean, I have heard the people saying, yeah. we've, we've, we keep trying to call my brother, my mom, mm-hmm. or my aunt, or whoever it is, and it's ringing. So there must be, their phone must be on, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't. I don't buy into it knowing how those systems work. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, supposing they crashed on land, though, and, and supposing at least one cell phone survived. 
Yeah. Would you be able to track them down using that? Probably. Yeah. Quite likely so. if there's a cell tower. Yeah, that's true. There's yeah. a cell tower. Yeah. Or, you know, all a lot of people had like those phones that are supposedly like super waterproof. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was it. Mm. Yeah, super waterproof Just plus they float. In yeah. The ocean. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there happens to be a cell tower like fifty feet away. Well, yeah. There's you some know. macro going, Hello? Hello? Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's happening. No, either. I don't think so either. Yeah. So I am trying to think. I've, I've kind of run out of theory. No, well, I, aliens. I, I, well, aliens. There's the alien that thing. That is <laughs> huge on the internet. They were so stolen by the giant. Chinese or the Malaysian Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Now, it looks like the Bermuda Triangle just uh, got extended a big, long way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's now a tetrahedron. No, yeah. it's, the, it's the Malacca Strait. Triangle. Anomaly. Yeah, that's true. Right? That's true because yeah. we had that other. There's that too. Mm-hmm. There was that other mystery that we solved. The, the other uh, one. Yeah, the what you call it? Yeah, the ship. Uh-huh. That thing. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, that yeah. one thing that yeah. we solved. So, yeah, Bermuda that triangle. thing with yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. The doohickey. I I just yeah. I mean, you know, other than aliens, obviously being responsible for it. Aliens, I think we're. Yeah. I don't have anything yeah, else. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I mean, I. I like the idea that it was landed somewhere remote and they haven't been able to get a hold of anybody and they're all okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's 239 souls. And that's, that is, that's yeah. A lot I, of, that's a lot of people lost. Yeah. But I, I really, I unfortunately lean more towards the catastrophic fire. Mm. I have a, I just, I think that that is a viable solution with all of the, the flotsam theories that we've seen out there. It's the only one that, that strikes possibly true to me. Mm. And then unfortunately it just didn't make it. It went down. So so we're saying theories that we think are totally reasonable, not theories we like the most? Oh, no, 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 no. You know me. (laughs) I don't go with my favorite theory because I think it's fun. I always, I'm devil's advocate. Which one do I think could really happen? Because my my favorite theory is they slipped out of time. Uh That's a good one. I like that. I run out of time all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, my favorite is that somebody took it for later use. Yeah. But... The great thing about that one is like they're busy they're busy tearing up the ocean and, and Kazakhstan and everywhere else looking for wreckage right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, so maybe who knows, they'll find something in the next few days, next few weeks. Mm-hmm. But as far as somebody taking it for later use, we're gonna find out about that too. And yeah. it might be that in terms of looking for wreckage, nothing will ever turn up. It's quite but, that that's not unheard of. Yeah, no, a plane it's not. to go down and I, you don't find it because it's yeah. thousands upon thousands upon thousands of miles of square yeah. ocean. Mm-hmm. I think that uh We'll find out probably either in the next week or a year or two from now. Mm. So the guys that are sitting on it right now obviously realize they can't keep this secret for too long, so they're going to want to use it and go nuke Tel Aviv or somewhere like that. Or conversely, they might decide to just, if they've got it really tucked away in a very secure hangar somewhere, they might decide just to sit on it for a year or two. Or five. And then bring it out. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. going to really remember the transponder number in five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years. So yeah. they might sit on it for a while. But, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm kind of guessing they won't wait that long. I'm kind of mm. guessing. These these guys are impatient. You know, you know, these, you know these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Radicals, I yeah. believe, is the, mm-hmm. is the term you're looking yeah, for. Loons. So, are we going to have pictures and stuff? Yeah, we are going to have pictures, probably on our website. Okay. Which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to go out and find us on iTunes, we are on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher. If you, don't, if you haven't had time to download it to your, your uh, iPod, then uh, go to Stitcher. Just stream it right there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, and of course, like us on Facebook. And, you know, if you want to send us an email, if you have theories, or if you're one of the hijackers that stole this plane, we really want to hear from you. Or so the aliens. Us, or we the aliens. promise, if you're a hijacker, not to leak your email address to anybody important. I can't mm, promise yeah. that. Uh, John. Oh, I promise. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you can contact us at our email address, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're the Malaysian prime minister... Uh, don't stress. We're still thinking about it. We'll get back to you soon. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, this is, by the time you hear this, who knows? Maybe the whole mystery will have been solved. I'm kind of doubting it at the pace we're going. But Yeah. yeah. But, but didn't we just solve it? No, uh, we did. Well, no. we, thought we solved it three ways, basically. Um, no. So it may well be that, like, in the next week, we'll know which one of us was right. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. Until then... Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.